0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of the Value Stocks podcast with your host, Felix Nothnagel and myself, Alex Middleton. Today is November 10th, 2018, and we are talking about C-SPAN Corporation, symbol SSW on the New York Stock Exchange. Current market capitalization is 1.27 billion. Enterprise value is 5.3 billion. And they have an EV to EBITDA ratio of eight and a P ratio of six. So what does C-SPAN Corporation do?
1: So they buy uh, container ships and then they lease them out to uh, big shipping operators, uh, quite similar to like Aircap in the airplane airline business that we talked to about in a previous podcast. So they do the same thing just with ships and they're the largest player in the industry with about 8% market share. And... Uh, the big uh, customers are, uh, yeah, like I said, the big shipping operators: Maersk, Costco, Hapag Lloyd, Mediterranean Shipping Company, etc. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. Yeah.
0: And one thing that we'd probably mention is that uh, if there's any people who listen to this podcast from Vancouver, they might be familiar with C-SPAN ULC, which is a uh, that owns the uh, shipyards within Vancouver and does a lot of the. The barging services within the harbor as well. Um, so that is a separate entity. Uh, it's owned by uh, the Washington companies. Uh, it's a, a family-owned organization that has a, it's very kind of a conglomerate and they own have a piece in mining and uh, rail and all sorts of different businesses. But anyways, we're specifically talking about c-span corporation uh, which is limited to the ownership and the, the leasing out of the container ships.
1: And they're run out of Hong Kong, I believe.
0: Run out of Hong Kong, and they're registered in Marshall Islands, which mm-hmm. is sounds kind of weird for a lot of people, but that's very uh, traditional in the uh, shipping industry. Tax reasons. I guess. Tax reasons, I think regulation, and mm-hmm. uh, even our old Canadian prime minister who had a uh, stake in one of the major Canadian shipping companies, I think his company was... Uh, registered in Bermuda or somewhere else. It wasn't in Canada anyways. <laughs> Do you own any of the stock?
1: No. Yeah, me neither. Um, why are we talking about it?
0: Uh, a number of reasons. So one of our listeners uh, mentioned the stock to us uh, and, and was asking our thoughts on it. And neither of us had looked it up at, the, at that point of time, really. Um, but Fairfax Financial, which we both have a position in, uh, has made a $1 billion investment through bonds and uh, the exercising of warrants uh, recently. So that was kind of interesting for us. Um, David Sokol, which many people might know of, is uh, the former star manager that they had at uh, Berkshire Hathaway, who is managing a bunch of businesses there, um, who's no longer with them. Um, but but uh, Prem Watsa Fairfax still has a lot of respect for him. So that's kind of interesting as well that he's taken on the chairman role and is leading that organization. And it's a it's a cyclical industry right now that's, you know, in the past 10 years has been stuck in, uh, you know, a really bad spot in the downturn. So it hasn't recovered like other industries like banking and housing, even though there's been a lot of gradual growth in volume of work uh, or demand for shipping in the past 10 years. So. And there's a little bit of interest. I think there's been some insiders saying if there's a recovery that's in the horizon um, next year or the, or the following year based mm-hmm. on a lot of metrics. So I think those are the reasons uh, I was interested in. Do you have anything to add? Uh,
1: no, I think that pretty well covers it. I guess it all already kind of goes into the points, kind of what you like about the company. It's kind of that those were kind of the thoughts that I had about yeah. why I like it.
0: Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I think it's maybe one other point to add is it's not a it's an industry that not a lot of people follow. Okay. For a number, I don't know. It was, yeah, it's it's always been kind of a, a weird industry that for various reasons people don't like it, like to research and and there are good reasons because I don't think it's been an industry that's been overly uh, shareholder friendly mm-hmm. in the past. I mean, you can look at the stock charts of like, uh, Diana shipping or Diana, I think they have a shipping arm and then they have a a leasing arm as well and they've diluted the shareholder base significantly and, uh, Paragon shipping and even I think a company that, uh, Manish Parai invested in the first decade of the two thousands, it's even, it's gone from $300 to like $10 or something. So... Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And there is a lot, of, I think there is a lot of fraud in, 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 shipping companies, not necessarily this one, but so it kind of puts people off a bit. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. A lot of cyclicality. Yeah. So a lot of
1: reasons yeah. that why it's probably not that attractive to investors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of share issuing all the times and right. I don't know, write down asset, write downs. Right. Know. Yeah, Doesn't look attractive at first glance. Um, yeah, I I, I agree. those are pretty much uh, kind of the good points about the company. I like when you're saying, um, you know, experts or insiders, they think it's going to turn around and I kind of looked at some of the reason why it's supposed to turn around. So I guess the share prices collapsed. Um, the kind of uh, leasing prices were at a low. They started to recover a little bit. Um, the order book versus total fleet size is historically mm-hmm. low, so that that's kind of comparing about uh, how many new ships are on order and uh, uh, versus the size of all the ships that are out there. So if, right. if if that's a very low percentage, there's not a lot of new capacity coming online, and right. yeah. demand is just increasing consistently, just more and more containers being shipped right so right. so it's just a balance of how much new capacity is coming online versus how much more is needed so right. that's that's looking good and then uh also the idle vessels uh is kind of near decade low and i don't remember it's like two percent or so mm-hmm. of, of all the vessels yep. in the world or of the teu capacity are idle right um so yeah i i Basically, for those factors like David Sokol, um, depressed share prices, uh, depressed uh, shipping prices, kind of things look like the turning around. I I think there is a potential for multi-bagger returns. I think that's what makes it kind of interesting.
0: Right. Yeah. I think something to mention is like, yeah, with all those metrics that you mentioned, like the idle fleet and the order book being low, I think it usually takes from, from point of order when they start constructing the ship. Well, if, if you're looking at one of the larger size vessels, it takes at least two years to, to build and complete one. So if the order book is looking low for next year, I yeah. think at a minimum, you might be looking at uh, at least next year would be good mm-hmm. good renewal rates for their, for their leases, uh, potentially. Um, or at least for the spot rate market, I would say.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be two, three
0: years yeah. uh, longer. Or and then there there could also be just a little bit more discipline amongst carriers to to because they want to start realizing, mm-hmm. uh, uh, an upward of price swings. Yeah. Yeah. Keep, keep the
1: prices up, and those yeah. spot rates, I think, they influence a lot also what the long term contracts will look yes. like. Right.
0: Well, it, it depends on what people's outlook of what vessels are kind of be they're going to be needing in a few years, and there's all sorts of when uh, they go into. the long to, I guess, five-year leases for, for ships, I suppose, mm. what their outlook is. Yeah.
1: Anything else kind of on, on the negative side or the risk of, of the
0: business? Well, the, well, C-SPAN has a lot of debt, but that goes hand in hand with the industry. Um, Aircap had a lot of debt because it's takes a lot of capital to, to order a plane and own, put them on your books and, uh. And same with with, uh, a large container ships as well. So it's hard to, it's near impossible to grow without debt (laughs) (laughs) in this industry. So there is a lot of leverage. Um, I think they have about $120 million of interest payments per year. Um, So, you know,
1: typically I don't find it that desirable to invest in companies with lots of debt. Except I, I guess I'm also involved in some banks and stuff. But generally, it's always kind of risky to have a lot of debt. I think is, yeah. what you need is like definitely stable cash flow, right? And like kind of your assets need to be secured, or right. Yeah. And I don't know if that's the case with SSW. Like I feel, I felt with AirCap, I felt a lot better about uh, when I looked at their cash flows and profits over the last twenty years or so compared to. SSW. I think you you can get wiped out as a shareholder pretty quickly with a lot of debt, and then all of a sudden they make like losses for a few years. Yeah, and they can't service their debt, and what happens? They're gonna probably dilute the shareholder base and
0: issue a whole bunch of new shares. Yeah, and it's not unheard of in the industry either, so it could very well happen. And. So for, for this company in particular, I think that lots
1: of debt is especially an issue for me. Right. Or or this industry, I guess, leasing of ships. Maybe I'm biased yeah. because it's been such a bad downturn in the last like 10 years.
0: Yeah, and and part of the problem is so most people you say, okay, look at it, it's a downturn and then eventually mm-hmm. demand catches up with supply and then rates start going up. But shipping is a little bit different in terms because there is a fair bit of government Involvement in the industry, uh, I think for a lot of governments, uh, especially in Asia, they see it more like a strategic investment. So you'll see the, a lot of special loans given to their national carriers um, that has not helped the uh, the oversupply market in the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's only just made it a longer market and, mm-hmm. and uh, poor pricing for the for the carriers and for for c-span as well um i think there's been three well i mean it happens quite a bit but there was Kore- korea gave a huge uh, loan to their national carrier and then i think taiwan it happened in the past year or recently and then and i think china as well with costco as well so yeah and then you hear there's complaints that from from other Carriers like Marisk that this is not helping industry recover, um, mm.
1: and, so. and and that's basically the, these kind of uh, government interventions there with shipbuilders and uh, shipping lines. It right? helps. So the, it's, it's across the industry, yeah, I think. It, it kind of on.
0: influences all their strategic areas. So shipbuilding being a, a major uh, employer in some some countries, that's that helps you know mm. for various reasons. And then there's also uh, the view that that uh, it helps you know. I guess subsidize exports as well. Um mm. when you when you give money to shipping or, or develop ports or or give money to uh, shipbuilding mm. companies, yeah. You know.
1: So um compared to like air cap in in the airline industry, it's kind of there's there's more supply, right? Uh, in terms of uh um you have Boeing and Airbus kind yeah. of two suppliers, now you have all these right. different shipbuilders, so uh I think that there's no control over supply that's coming online.
0: No, it's a lot more restricted. And I think you, you probably know a little bit more on the, you've read a lot more on the the, the, the air cap okay. side of things, but it seems like Boeing and Airbus have, have, you know, gotten to a good point as long as with the, the airline, you know, the passenger carriers as well, that they've gone to a good point of balancing demand or uh, supply in that industry where, and it's mm-hmm. a lot more. Like you said, the manufacturers are are, are backlogged right now. Mm-hmm. You know, Boeing and Airbus. So uh, they're kind of constricting yeah. the the amount of planes that are coming onto the market. Where I don't think there's this much uh, constraint among the shipyards. Yeah, or, you uh, you
1: need to have the constraint basically yeah. by the. Uh, uh, ship uh, by the ca- uh, shipping uh, <laughs> companies yep. or by the leasers, right? Right. Or, or both, probably. I think for the shipping companies, it's kind of getting better because they're consolidating a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I think for the shipping leasers, uh, I guess SSW, the plan for, for C-SPAN is kind of to consolidate. They want to be the consolidator. That's their plan. Right. So I th- it could help prices, but how confident are you? like that there will be stable prices, uh, consistent profits going forward. Yeah. Or would this company be more like a short-term play where, oh yeah, the profits will look good for the next three, four years. And then I can sell the stock if I buy it now. Yeah. Make a bunch of profit. I don't know. Like what's my, my, my feeling
0: is, and we'll probably go deeper into this until in the valuation, but it's, it's not a company you'd want to hold for a long, long term. The industry not, does not have good returns um, yeah. over time uh, unless you have, well, a ton of debt involved. And even that, it's, it doesn't work out to be a good churn. So you're, what you're hoping for is a huge, huge cyclical upside in the, in, the, in, in the lease rates. And hopefully the price of the stock gets up to uh, irrational levels. If you look at the intrinsic long-term value of the of the company in, mm-hmm. uh, and and. You Know it's going to look if it looks good next year and everything works out the way C SPAN and, and Prem Watsa Fairfax seems to think it's going to be, then you and the stock will, could go up quite a bit, and then you should probably sell at that point <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> because it doesn't look good if you hold on too long. And, and you know, if, if Manish Prabhupada held that frontline stock for you know a few more years, then it wouldn't have been luck it wouldn't have looked like such a success for him. It would have um, been ugly. It would have been really ugly for him. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe he's just really good at realizing what he has to get in. He now. could be. Who knows? Yeah, I, yeah know. I think it's a horrible
1: industry overall. I think yeah. like if you look at the uh, the last ten years of profits for C SPAN, it all it is zero. <laughs> because of all the losses in some years and profits right. others yeah. for ten years, zero profits. And they did really well compared to some of their competitors. Like like we were talking about it, you know, share prices going down by like 99%.
0: Right. So (laughs) they uh, have a, they at least have an element of, of respect or attention to shareholders, mm -hmm. common shareholders in the organization. And uh, where some, I don't think have any at all, but um, so yeah, they haven't done it nearly as bad. So uh,
1: yeah, I would assume that going forward now that if like it looks like prices are recovering uh, shipbuilders will be looking to issue shares on uh, ship leasers looking mm-hmm. to issue shares and buy new vessels so mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of typically what happens now it takes a while for them to come online mm-hmm. and then they all come online at once and you have over capacity then it goes back down and the spot prices collapse even your long-term contracts are or the new ones that you're signing are influenced. Vessels mm-hmm. get scrapped, uh, book value gets written off. So it's it's kind of the uh, vicious shipping business cycle to me. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, then also, I think one, one last point on kind of like what I dislike is, uh, so the experts are, and kind of insiders are saying, well, the prices are turning around, we'll have, look profits are looking good for the upcoming years it's mine is this those are the same experts and insiders that also <laughs> bought all those ships you know yeah that leads that led up to this oversupply right like or who are these like
0: yeah um, you're right yeah really I mean, smart you're...
1: guys that can that are forecasting this
0: right now yeah it's not you shouldn't <laughs> always listen to insiders ceos as the, beasts, as the 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 way to invest really it's yeah. i mean you can Go look back at, you know, CNBC during the financial crisis, and they're bringing in CEOs for for interviews, or, or well, in any industry, right? It's it's like housing. There's there's tons of, not all business investment is rational, mm. and there's a uh, so that's it. Yeah.
1: Um, I think we already talked about it a bit, but what what what's your thoughts on management?
0: It's it's probably one of the better groups of management in the industry, um, in terms of, you know, keeping, uh, shareholders in mind when they're, they're, they're in trying to figure out what they want to do with their capital that they've raised or, or, you know, collected as retained earnings. So, um, if you were going to invest in, in the industry, this might be, uh, probably one of the companies you should probably look at more so than a lot of other ones but. um,
1: I agree with that. Yeah. So, David Sokol, he's not the uh, CEO.
0: No. But chairman. But, uh, chairman. It sounds like he's, even though he's not the CEO, he takes a fair bit of, seems like he's taking a fairly proactive role in, in leading the company and developing strategic direction, I would say. Eh? I think he's the key guy yeah. here.
1: Like, right. If it, like, succeeds or fails as an investment, we'll come down to him. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And if if you look at his record, uh, I think in 20 years as a CEO at uh, MidAmerican, he grew assets like a hundredfold. His return on equity was 23 per year. Oh, wow. Um, so, and that's an industry that's not like a software industry or... No, yeah. It's like we were talking about that before i was like how did he do that and i was trying to read up on it couldn't really find too much but i guess it it was leverage and he must have bought assets underpriced right Uh, and and that's exactly what you can probably do in the it's a very industry yeah
0: i think he and he's so he's comfortable using debt and searching for kind of unique distressed assets too i think he mentioned that when he first became chairman he said one of the criticisms he had with the prior management was that they missed buying some really distressed assets the year before
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, under uh, C-spans. Uh, okay. So um, so that's what he's looking for. And it, it seems actually they made that kind of an uh, interesting deal in terms of they bought into a project in um, somewhere in Asia. I think it's an LNG type project. And then, uh, so it, it, it's a little bit more expansive than just container ships on yeah. that deal. So it's, so maybe they're branching out. A maybe little bit he's branching out a little bit now, but, uh, yeah. I, that wouldn't be the, I wouldn't base that on investing in this company just for that single reason that David Sokol might had double digit, double digit returns with mid American. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do the exact same with C-SPAN. Um, I think that's
1: what Prem Watson banking on. Yeah. I think it's kind of what he, what he thinks
0: is going to happen.
1: Well, Maybe that's what David
0: thinks... Sokol told them in private
1: conversations. <laughs> no, I, you know, I think Prem has a pretty good feel for the talent of people, and right. I, and I think same with uh, Buffett, they they're very good at recognizing talented people, mm-hmm. and even so, uh, Buffett kind of got rid of him, which was due to the whole Looper Soul issue, but. I believe Buffett still believes that uh, Sokol is a very talented manager and I would not be surprised at all if Sokol manages to do really fantastic uh, returns with this company.
0: No, I would agree. I wouldn't say that, yeah, I don't think Buffett lost respect for him in terms of his abilities. Of managing companies. I think he was, it was just a situation where he had to do something there and, uh, and he made, David Sokol made a mistake at that point. So, um, anyways, yeah. Modern competitors? I don't think that... But it's not really a moat. I mean, it's just buying ships and, and, and leasing them out. I think there's an element of, of being able to raise uh, enough capital to buy a ship to begin with, which is not easy to do. Um, but there, there's a lot of companies that could do that, too. They just choose not to. And then there's probably an element of, of having a network of, uh, of contacts in the industry because it is a fairly, even though it is a big industry, it's a fairly, uh, specialized industry. Like a lot of people who start in shipping, continue in shipping for their whole life. Um, no, there's not a lot of people who start in tech or any other area of logistics and then decide, Hey, I'm going to go into shipping now. Right. Mm. That's, um,
1: but still yeah. tons of competition, I would say, right? Tons like, of, yeah. Not that huge barriers of entry.
0: No, uh, I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure the shipyards would be happy to take money if you want <laughs> to order a ship. With yeah. a down payment, at least.
1: Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, or if you can get shareholders to fund your equity right. or banks, you yeah. can always buy used vessels. Or, yeah. I don't know. I To me, it's one of the worst modes or barriers to entry kind of in terms of companies that I looked at, I would say. Yeah. I don't know. There's probably other stuff, but uh, it's like a Buffett quote uh, that says kind of uh, your prices are as low as your dumbest competitors. And uh, I guess he's referring to industries that kind of have a commodity type of business. Right. Right. Where you're not selling brands or any kind of where you don't have any kind of mode and I think this kind of ship leasing business, if there's a lot of capacity on, people want to like lease out their ships no matter what, and your prices will fluctuate a lot.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, in the oil industry, it's, it's you know, prices are really low, but you know, all these companies are still, in, still producing as much as they can, just getting, getting pumping as much oil through the pipeline as possible to get their, their variable costs as low as possible to make a, that margin. Right. Um, and it's irrational. I mean, you, you, but it's,
1: yeah. When I looked at this, it kind of reminded me a lot of resource industries. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's hard to predict the prices, Mm -hmm. you know, that they, they typically, they vary a lot Mm -hmm. and you make profits one year, very high profits and then Mm -hmm. you make, fairly big losses yeah. in another year so yeah. Yeah. and you don't have any control over your prices you're you're like a price taker i yeah. think
0: oh for sure yeah um
1: uh gross and uh free cash flow
0: well there is they have free cash flow right now um which is good and the the use of free cash flow I mean, as of, up up until today, they've just been buying new ships and then yeah. on top of that, taking on more debt to buy more ships. Yeah. And I think that's the last thing as an investor who, with you know, two people who aren't really fans of the industry already, I think yeah. that's the last thing that I would like to see when if prices, you know, really go up next year. Yeah. I want, I would prefer to see them, you know, pay off some debt and then uh, buy back shares if the price is still too low or a special dividend or. Start making investments in other industries that that might provide more long term upside, you know, because, uh,
1: yeah, uh, that's... it's hard to say. David Sokol's only been there for like a year and a half or
0: so, yeah. I believe. I don't even know if it's that long. It's in January or, yeah, but 2017. Oh, okay, so. maybe <laughs> <laughs> something like that, so
1: like a year, year and a half, yeah, and, uh, yeah. There wasn't much free cash flow over the last ten years.
0: No, no. If you look at the ten years now, they're they're producing some some better, but it's hard to say, right? Like typically, hard, what happens
1: is- in the in in that industry, I guess, is like they produce free cash flow, they buy more ships, yeah, and then they lose a bunch of money again, right? right? And then they raise more cash with like by issuing equity, yeah. It's completely different from AirCap, which is bought back 30 percent of their shares over like the last three four years yeah and it's like every year buying back like five percent of their shares or yeah and and like shipping leases, just like just issuing new shares issuing new shares I, it's there's some shady companies in that business too yes, so yeah. mm, <laughs> i don't know um yeah i guess i guess the best strategy and every ceo talks about it it's kind of buying depressed assets and then selling them when ships are selling expensive. That's like how you can make a whole bunch of money and everybody wants to do it and says they're doing it, but really everyone knows that
0: strategy, but the hardest part is to implement that strategy. And it's, it's the same type of constraint that we we talked about in NVR. You know, there's (laughs) all these housing companies out there that, you know, it makes sense to be, to work the same capital flight model and not, uh, uh, you know, oversupply during the good times, but very few actually are able to do it right. And mm. uh, so, you know, I, don't I don't know. know. It, it's hard to find the ones that uh, are actually doing it well, cycle after cycle. Yeah. Valuation. Oh geez, what do you want to go first? Or <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: yeah, fine. I'll go yeah. first. Um, so I, I don't know. It's always difficult to to kind of put a value on a cyclical company mm-hmm. especially a cyclical company in the shipping industry where it's like it's very cyclical in earnings it's not like mm-hmm. um, coca-cola has some cyclicality to it they sell more coke in the summer than in the winter but yeah. at the end of the day every quarter they're very profitable it's considered yeah and this is like three years heavy losses than three years like solid profits or Mm -hmm. you know it's it's much harder to to gauge and then if you look at the last 10 years it's like zero profits on on aggregate so how how do i put a value on this company very very difficult um so i i look i ended up looking at then on kind of two two things uh like revenue and return on equity again that there were there's really there there wasn't a return on equity in the last 10 years. But let's assume they would do like a profit of 10% on revenue on a normalized basis or through the cycle or 10% return on equity. And basically, then what I found was, uh, if they would do 10% return on revenue, it would be like 70 cents a a share uh, profits per year mm-hmm. and you put a p of 10 so you get to like seven dollars a share and if you do it return on equity it's uh it would would have been like a dollar seventy per share mm-hmm. and that would be then on a p of 10 would be seventeen dollars a share mm-hmm. so yeah is it is this company worth seven dollars a share seventeen dollars a share I I don't know a little bit of problem too with return on equity is like, Is this, you know, what are these ships really worth? That constantly varies, right? Yeah. Like your equity, you know, like these companies don't trade by uh, coincidence at a price to book of 0.2 or 0.5 or Mm -hmm. it's because people don't really think the ships are worth what they're carried for on the book. Right, yeah. So, difficult. Like, I I had a very hard time uh, kind of... Putting a value on it, and like, it, okay, if I say seven dollars a share, it's kind of uh, it it be if you compare it to what they're producing right now in earnings. If you looked at their last quarter, so I don't know what they would be trading at, like at, they're trading right now at like a P of five or something P like six, that. P six,
0: yeah, or the rolling twelve. So yeah. like
1: seven dollars a share would be even even lower than that. So I, so yeah. I end up somewhere saying, hey, my I think this company's worth, uh, you know or five or something like that it's it's, it seems low but i just can't come up with anything better so ultimately my my conclusion was like hey this is outside of my circle of competence and yeah a rough idea but i don't know if it would hit even like half of my lower value estimate of it's worth seven dollars a share and hey would i buy this company at three dollars fifty a share i don't know because yeah. I mean, there might have things might have changed already again. Or, yeah. But do I feel comfortable enough? I mean, if for no reason, it would just trade at three dollars fifty a share tomorrow. Ugh. What's, was Prem buying at six dollars fifty a share? Or, or six, <laughs> I don't know at what price he converted his uh, warrants. I think it was six fifty. Six
0: fifty for the yeah. first seventy-seven million warrants. Yeah. Okay. And then, so, yeah, but. And then, well, even if it went to 350, right? The problem that I would have is, you know, seeing all the dilution of the shareholder base in the past with other companies. Yeah. Um, well, even with C SPAN, with the Fairfax deals, there's, you know, there's a lot of shares 77 million shares plus another 25 of warrants that will be issued in uh, January. So that's, that's a big uh, dilution in itself. And, uh, and you got a, a very strong partner like Fairfax, and, and and you have you know a star manager like David Sokol managing this company. So it's a tough company to raise capital in. Like there's not a lot of probably banks that want to loan to, or a lot of people want to loan money to 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 shipping companies in general. Um, uh, so yeah, even at three fifty, it can always still Get low. go lower. <laughs>
1: um yeah i don't know i think it's it's pessimistic i i kind of feel like the industry's consolidating more mm-hmm. you would think they learned their lessons so i yeah. have i wouldn't david Sokol, like you you think he's kind of smarter than the average guy so he'll do better than the average shipping company and they could do a lot of profits in the upcoming years but i just i don't know yeah but maybe maybe you tell me what what you how do you thought about valuation I feel really uncomfortable with my valuation so
0: right well I kind of kind of looked at it from the the perspective that with Fairfax and David Sokol running this company now they're strong you know their presence in the company that that shouldn't you'd think they have a little bit of respect for for shareholders Uh, so I don't expect any huge dilution in the shares going forward but that is that's always a risk Um, so I kind of just assume that I, the way I calculated was I diluted all the warrants that, uh, that, uh, that Fairfax was issued. So I think that brought it up to, I can't remember what was it, 240 million shares. Um, and then I took their, you know, the margins from their best, their most recent year, which was, I think good year, good year was this 2015 or so and apply that to their expected revenue for the upcoming years. And. I think I mean this is the cyclical upside of the of the stock, and I think it could double based on those numbers. So it could go to, I think, what did I write, thirteen or fourteen dollars? Maybe even up to fifteen dollars if they if the prices and the the renewal of leases recovers next year um, Mm -hmm. based on the fundamentals of the or the macro fundamentals. But the intrinsic value of of the business, I again, I don't wouldn't see them earning over the long term any more than well, it could be zero but I think it's going to be between 100 and 150 million dollars and if you dilute that over uh, even on the upside so say say it's on the higher end of the of that range uh you dilute that over the the new shareholder base if, if fairfax exercises all their warrants I think it's trading at their intrinsic value right now or, maybe or a little bit higher actually that. yeah and $9, because when I originally did the analysis, it was trading at $8. Okay. So I don't... If you're looking at companies to invest in the long term and just kind of like buy and hold and put away and don't, not think about, this is not a company you want to do that with. If you're... That kind of investor probably
1: turned off the moment we started speaking about this part, this this company. So, <laughs> yeah. so they didn't get to no, this point. No, that's right, <laughs> yeah.
0: If you're looking for... If you're a type of person who has five thousand, like, you know, whatever small amount of money that you're you're playing with, right, and you're looking for just a, almost a gamble, then maybe this is something you want to throw it at. But I don't know. I don't need think. Ne- neither of us are people who like to do that. Um, I don't think that's the, generally the best way to invest, anyways. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Now, there could be So, an so, upside. so what was your
1: final? You were at $8 a share or so? I think
0: intrinsic value was probably right around $8, maybe a little bit less. And then, but you could see an upswing in price up to, as up to, up to $15 next year, uh, mm. based on what margins they achieved in, in 2015. And you apply that forward with a PE 10, um, but it's, that, it could it's, be higher, right? It, it could be higher, you know, yeah. and, and cyclical stocks can get to really irrational Levels because people start prorating the earnings from the, the, their peak yeah. forward. And we saw, I wrote two articles for Seeking Alpha, one for North American enterprises and and, uh, and then one for General Finance Corporation. And they're both cyclical. Oh, well, they are cyclical. Their businesses are cyclical. They're not necessarily tied to the economy a lot of the time, I think. Uh, but uh, they they've, they've, Uh, gone up 200% or yeah, 200% this year, I think. And, and, uh, I think it's beyond intrinsic value, but Mm -hmm. people can play that sometimes and and just take advantage of the momentum and the, uh, towards the end, end of the cycle. You're taking a little bit of risk there, but Mm -hmm. as long as you're not investing all your, your net worth in those types of companies, I think it's probably. What are your thoughts on the downside? Yeah, I think it yeah we over. talked about the downside in terms of dilution and the industry. I think on top of dilution, that, that that's almost a result of well, you know, I think the 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 cycle could be prolonged because of further government interventions, and then also, I guess, I think the trade disputes. If there was some sort of, uh, yeah, I think that would cause some uh, hiccup in their business um, mm. if there was a. Uh, a huge uh, trade war with, I mean, it's coming. So, <laughs> well,
1: yeah, I don't know if it's coming. It's probably yeah. like a trade scrimmage right now. Yeah, and maybe it goes away. Who knows? But
0: yeah, it's a, it is a risk that you should yeah. think of.
1: Yeah, I I kind of I put the downside that it could be a complete write off. Even so, yeah. I don't think it will happen with this company in particular, but definitely with quite a few companies in this business. You can say you know you lost like ninety eight percent of your value when you bought it or so right uh, in recent years so yeah. yeah I would say it's definitely a potential yeah a small potential I'm
0: I, I'm, I myself am pretty happy with my ownership via Fairfax and staying at that level it's good <laughs> enough right <laughs> so uh, is it an above average business no uh, what about price it's not a it's not a good I don't think it's a great price right now. I, mean, yeah. I it's intrinsic yeah. value, um, maybe.
1: Compared to earnings, it trades cheaper than the market, but no. compared to, I don't know, maybe historic. I don't know, even historic price is cheaper because yeah. it dropped so much in price. But yeah. it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's the, it's not a great price compared to normalized earnings, probably. Mm-hmm. I can say that. Uh, 1 to 10, what's your interest in the business?
0: 4 or 5, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like watching these things and seeing how they play out mm-hmm. and I, I, I enjoy uh, reading about industries that are kind of you know not typical. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where a lot of opportunities are found is when you look at companies that not uh, a lot of people are following and uh, you know the two companies that I just mentioned, North American general Finance, they're probably the the least followed, companies that I wrote about mm-hmm. this year and they've had the best little well, stock performance at least by far. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think there's, a re- there's, a, there is reasons why those are, those two things are, are, are correlated. Um, doesn't necessarily mean every unfollowed stock is going to be, uh, have really good returns, but, um, mm-hmm. it's interesting. And you learn a lot from these types of companies too. I mean, you shouldn't avoid learning about a company just because, you don't think it's it's investment potential because the knowledge you gain from it could apply to another investment that has really good characteristics as well hmm. yeah i gave it a two i was like yeah. i'm not really interested in investing in this
1: company yeah. i won't spend a whole lot of time following it and but uh, i guess just because of the fairfax investment and david Sokol, called uh, and just kind of interested how how this plays out so i'll be it a little bit but right. yeah it's not a zero but it's it's far <laughs> away from where i'm like okay this might be interesting i should learn more about yeah. it
0: so. i think we had a lot of six and seven ratings in the past other podcasts yeah so it's good to mix it up every once in a while i think we need <laughs> a few in the bottom uh, part of the spectrum and then maybe one day we'll get a 10 i don't know if it's going to be anytime soon but yeah.
1: yeah not probably not in in the kind of current valuations of companies. Right.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah. If, is there any
0: price maybe that you think it would become really interesting or hard to say? Yeah, I think, well, any price de- decrease would be interesting, but mm. there, there's always those risks that we talked about with the dilution uh, that would always be in the back of my mind. But mm. I don't think I would ever put as mu- as much money as I have in Berkshire into this company. Not at any price, point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. When prices go down, it's, it's nice to relook at concerning companies. Yeah. Mm. Do you have any other
1: thoughts on the business?
0: No, just reiterating that it's, it's not a good industry. Um, mm. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked
1: if you do really good returns with this business yeah. in the next few years. Uh, but I just don't have enough evidence right. f- to feel comfortable. right? Because, you know, five years in a row, 20% returns. And then in the sixth year, like a 0% return or or, or, not, yeah. or a negative 100% return, you're still at zero. Right. Um, so... And I'm not saying that's gonna happen or so, but it's just, yeah, it. This is also a little bit like a jockey versus horse bet. So you have a great jockey with David Sokol, but you have probably a crappy horse. Three-legged horse. (laughs) So it's like, do you just want to bet on that? I'm not. You you can make money with like there's, you know, like Herb Kelleher with like uh, South Southwest Airlines and or like Buffett was like Berkshire Hathaway which used to be like a well, maybe terrible. Maybe this is the business. next Berkshire Hathaway. <laughs> no. So so it's you know like betting on the managers can work but yeah. you know what like why not bet on the manager like on a great manager like Warren Buffett and a great
0: business like Berkshire Hathaway at the same time. Right. I don't know. I think it's good to acknowledge when you look at a company like this and and admit, okay, yeah, it could triple in value or if if things play out the way management says, and then and and not invest and be okay with that because uh, you don't know, and it is a you don't want to have regret when you look at a company like this because there still is risk, mm-hmm. and maybe you have a good run and you invest in two companies like that and they both do really really well, so then you get a lot of confidence in your ability, so you then you invest all the money. you earn from those two really good investments into another cyclical with you think has a lot of upside and then you lose everything so it you it could you it's okay to pass off opportunities and if it does do well there's going to be other opportunities uh out there that you you might have more a lot more conviction and understand better yeah yeah i think I think it's really important, like, kind of be honest
1: with yourself. Hey, do I really understand this company? And, like, if I'm honest with myself, I'm like, you know what? I don't really understand it. I can't really forecast what prices will be over the next five years. Yeah. And I don't want to trust industry insiders on this. So, and I think that's, if you have a really good understanding of this kind of shipping and what prices are going to be, and then you can, like, hey, I would, this company will make a ton of profit and then right. you have the um, confidence in management allocating this capital well i think then you can invest yeah but that's just that's where i don't have enough confidence in my own abilities and yeah yeah so i'll, I'll pass on that one also uh it might look cheap when you look like percent of what it the price was like four years ago or something like that i and and other players in the industry dropped a lot more. So uh, and prices are recovering. So, yeah, yeah. It can look cheap, but for comparison, uh, Monish Pabri he bought uh, Fiat Chrysler in like a cyclical industry at one thirtieth of sales, and now right. it's trading at like one fifth of sales. So he made like a six x return or something, somewhere around there. C-SPAN SPAN's currently trading at a price to sales of like. or something like Mm. that so right yeah uh it's it's not nowhere near as cheap as like one thirtieth of sales yeah and you can't compare this one to one obviously but uh i'm just saying like yeah if you're investing in cyclical companies and you're like oh it's so cheap then is it you know it's something you have to different. Look one more just of the stock
0: price to figure out if it's cheap or not, yeah. right? It's when I mean, yeah. you look at a stock chart and you're like, "Oh, it's down ninety percent." Well, yeah, there's more than enough. It's down eighty percent. I... Yeah. Doesn't mean it's cheap. No, no. I exactly. think that's kind of the point I was trying to make. Yeah, that's good. It's a good
1: point. And that is all I had. Okay. Anything else?
0: No, no, no. I'm I'm content with our conclusion on this one for now. Unless someone brings some other. Facts. Facts. or information to us that we that missed, which you're more than welcome to do. You can email us at our podcast email. And uh, yeah, that's
1: it. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening in. Thank you. Bye. Disclaimer. This podcast does not constitute investment advice. It is for entertainment and educational purposes only. Do your own due diligence and use the information provided at your own risk.